0: Welcome back to the Impactful Relationships Podcast. How are you? I'm so glad, as always, that you're spending a few moments of your day here. If you haven't already, take some time to slow down, to notice something that you're grateful for. Take time to notice what your senses are experiencing, what you can feel, what you can see, etc. Take time to express gratitude to someone. No matter how difficult things are for you right now in this moment, the only place that peace can be found is in the present moment. So take a moment and be present. We're going to have a guest join us for this podcast episode, so let's welcome her on. All right, I'm excited for this conversation today. I have Alicia Card with me, who is a behavioral life coach and has been working in that area for a long time, probably like a decade, like a, a while. I don't even know how long Alicia have been, been doing that work, <laughs> even though we've worked together on some things before. But welcome. Glad to have you here.
1: Thanks so much, Kyle. Um, almost, almost a decade, probably about eight years now, so we're getting close there.
0: Nice. A decade sounds better. It's it's awesome. Though.
1: <laughs> yeah, we um, can round up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know I've, as we've worked together in different capacities before, just like seeing the different work that you do, and you've seen how that's kind of coordinated with some therapeutic work as well. And I know like life coaching is kind of like, a buzz term and a behavioral life coach is a little bit different. Um, So how do you describe like what, what you do that's different from like just your standard life coach, I guess?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people are always like, oh, you're a life coach. And they go straight into like business, executive coaching. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of have to pause and be like, mm, have you ever heard of a behavioral life coach or an executive functioning coach? And then they're like, what? No, what is that? So, I am someone who I work with young adolescents. So, I work around like 18 to 28 year olds. And I work with young adults who have a brain deficit, whether it's through a concussion, whether it's through behavioral disorders with ADHD, autism, if they're on the spectrum in any other way. And I help work on a day-to-day basis with their life skills. So this goes with anything with their emotions, their patterns and their behaviors, their organization skills, how they cope in the community, if they're able to have relationships with their family, with their friends, how they work with school, are they stressed in a school situation, are they stressed out of work situation, um, are they stressed with their roommates? So anything, that involves anxiety in some type of way with these disorders. um, I help regulate those so that they can function on a day-to-day basis and have more confidence in themselves going forward in their lives.
0: Yeah, That's awesome. That's a great way to describe that. And it's kind of like, sounds like the neurodiverse lens of people that may have those struggles and whether that's also, like you said, from TBIs, traumatic brain injuries to, all these neurodiverse aspects that are really like super strengths in many ways. Like there's the side effects that come along with them that we can tend to hyper-focus on at times. It's like we see the iceberg right at the top that when someone's thinking about like ADHD, for example, it's like you fidget and you have trouble focusing, but really like it's so much more deep than that. And a lot of complexity. And it sounds like those are the parts that you're really helping people with Of whether it's the emotion regulation part or some of these skills-based things to help people get a different experience um, than just sounds like feeling stuck or just anxious um, frequently.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think also because executive functioning or just the brain in general, right, is so new um, since a lot of the concussions that were happening with football, football. I a, lot of, a lot of people starting... starting to wake up and notice, oh, there's more to the brain and behaviors that we don't realize. And then you add ADHD on top of it, or schizophrenia disorder or something else, then yeah, you like you said, there's that iceberg analogy that we haven't tapped into as much in a societal purpose. Um, and so it's a learning process for me too, because executive functioning is so new, but we have come a long way in the last like 30 years when it like first started
0: yeah there's a lot more research around it um science backing it up and understanding um around what it is and sometimes people it's like executive functioning what's that like i saw a tiktok reel on that like it kind of resonated but i don't know what it is really um and so i'm curious how how do you describe it if you're explaining to someone like here's what executive functioning is
1: So for executive functioning, I always talk about, just think about the day-to-day things that we do as human beings. We wake up at a certain time. We have, in a way, a set schedule that we create ourselves, whether that's work, whether it's school, whether it's our hobbies that we're trying to develop, talents we're trying to develop. And throughout that day, we're hitting those, in a way, daily goals, weekly goals, or yearly goals. So for executive functioning, it's a deficit, whether it's neurological or behavioral in someone where they can't do simple tasks, like set an alarm for 7am to wake up, or when their alarm goes off, their brain doesn't recognize, oh, I need to get up at this time. And then there's also things like writing things down to make sure that you're accessing everything that you're doing each day to hit those goals some people can do it by memory which if you are one of those people good for you and I applaud you because I'm still not even one of those people I have to write everything down and mm-hmm. so it's just helping people be more organized on a daily basis so that they can hit those daily goals for themselves and then also just like succeed in a lot of areas in their life um while we're hitting you know those deficit parts um, that they can't either remember, phys- or cognitively, or it's stressing them out um, in some type of neurological way.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm thinking about even couples that I work with that when there's one or two people that have some deficits around executive functioning or like some struggles connected to neurodiversity, or you know, have had some brain injuries or things in the past that sometimes the frustrations can come out as like, you're not listening to me. I tell you the same thing over and over again, but yet the laundry is still spread everywhere, or we're always overspending the budget, or like this problem keeps happening. And then the other person, it's like, I know, like, and I'm working so hard, but nothing's changing. It's like, both people are just feeling so stuck. And one of the things I've observed is sometimes it's like, they're just like, I'm going to work harder and harder and harder and they don't get anywhere. And it like creates like that anxiety or symptoms of depression where it's helping them find the right tool. It's like you've been running really hard and not getting anywhere. We need to get help you get the right accommodations and tools and supports in place, whether that's from a medical side, a behavioral side, a therapeutic side. And we need to make sure that if you need a hammer, you have a hammer not a pipe wrench, <laughs> or if you need a screwdriver, that's what you have. And you know how to use the screwdriver as well. Cause sometimes I think it's like here, use a calendar or use this tool. And it's like, you just stare at it and it's like, you should just know how to do this. But for whatever reason, sometimes the dots don't connect or the fall through is not there. So it's having that support to understand how to utilize a, screw, a screwdriver but then also fall through on that consistency. And that's where I've seen like the behavioral coaching, the other external supports can be really valuable in people's lives. Cause in therapy, it's like, I can sit and have this conversation with someone. I can teach them the skills we could go over and create something, but then when the rubber hits the road and they're applying for the job or they're sitting in their college class, or they're trying to have this conversation with their partner, it's like, I don't got therapy for another nine days. And I forgot. What am I doing? And so I think there's a lot of value to kind of what you're, you're sharing. And I'm curious, in your work, what does that look like for you when you are working with someone um, on this kind of behavioral skills, accommodations um, to, to meet their needs that's different than just maybe sitting in an office?
1: Yeah, so I don't even have a traditional office space. I go to each of my clients, whether it's at their home, or we meet outside, or there's building that has, you know, an accommodation space for us to do it. But a lot of the times with my clients, since they are more sensory young adults, um, I try and do a walk, I'll go on a walk with them around a park, and we'll start talking and For some reason, just having them be outside in the sunshine or listening to the leaves with the wind or just noticing people swinging on a playground, it just like sparks something up in their brain so that we're able to just like dive deeper into more of what is going on in their lives. And as well, it kind of helps take them out of that traditional box in a room With you know the neon lighting or the yellow lighting, and it doesn't make them feel like oh yeah I'm in another therapy session or oh I'm in another doctor room or oh I'm in a classroom like I don't know what it is like something being just like trapped in a box. It kind of creates this um, un it's almost like an organized like conversation that you have to have. So they get really nervous and they get very stressed when you're in those situations. So I try and just make it like an everyday thing for them. Like let's go on a drive. Let's go on a walk. Let's go visit um, what kind of jobs or work sites you want to be at. Let's actually be involved in the community. Oh, you struggle with, you know, finding a partner. Let's like go to the mall and walk around and see the type of people that you would want to interact with. So we just like kind of put them in those situations um, from the start so that we kind of really can develop more of like who they are. And I think the more that they're in those experiences, the more that they're willing to tap in themselves too and see that iceberg analogy that you're talking about. Of like, whoa, I really struggle with this because they're experiencing that in the moment and then for me as a life coach it's really helpful for me to see okay now you're stuck right now this is a real life situation that we can work through so that we can push past through these executive functioning and develop the tools that you need
0: yeah i i love that kind of hands-on application based because like there's a this is a whole nother conversation but like the medical field therapy field and things it's designed of like We have this 50 minute meeting that's in this room that's once like for all these things, but like, is that really what's most helpful? Sometimes, not always. And how can we actually help best meet someone's need and create a plan that works for them and also get them in the situations that's like, like you mentioned finding a partner, like, okay, who would you even want to talk to? How do you start that conversation? And so instead of just the idea of it, it can actually be, I'm doing it and I'm working through the anxiety or I'm getting some of the emotional regulation support or sensory regulation support because I actually know how to talk and have a conversation with someone really well. But it's like when I come up to this, I just get the knots in my stomach and that tension in my chest and I just freeze. And I totally I, I can't talk or say anything. And then like some you know guy or girl's like, what just happened? And you're like, then the shame or the embarrassment can set in where it can yeah. remove the shame and build the confidence. And one of the things that I've seen with that, even on the therapy side, is being able to see, okay, where's someone getting stuck and where might be some of the traumatic things to work through beneath the surface that you've had maybe you no, know, like like the big T trauma. They haven't had some big events. Sometimes there has been. Though sometimes it's just like that repeated, consistent struggle over time where anytime I go up to someone in a new social situation, I just feel rejected that it's like this repeated failure over the past 20 years that I get this real trauma response to. And so how can we help them work through and process through that? And I think there's a lot of collaboration that can happen um, within behavior coaching and life coaching and therapy and the medical field and a lot more effective way to help increase outcomes for, for people where sometimes it can just be frustrating to, get one support, but I'm not getting the other supports that I need, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's why I love the value of like a team. I love working with programs that have, you know, like a nurse practitioner, a therapist, their parents are involved. They have a mentor and then a life coach. And so the more support system that these young adults have then the more they're able to, yeah, like you said, develop those skills and those habits, right? Because I think for them or for anybody in a way, we don't realize how long it can really take to develop a habit or develop a skill. And once one wrong thing happens, that, like you said, that shame and that guilt comes in and we just wanna stop immediately. But if you have a support system that's still coaching you on, it's almost like a little baby walking, right? When a little baby falls down, everyone's cheering because it went at least one step. The baby doesn't even realize that it fell down. It's more realizing the energy of the people around them. And then it's like, oh, I love this energy. I want to get back up and I want to try again and maybe go a few more steps. So the more the support system, the better. So that's why I love working with more people, even as a life coach, because it just helps these people. In a way, have more confidence to move, if not quicker, but further in their lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's sustained change. It's not the band-aid. Yeah. Here's the symptom treated, solve this problem. It's helping people actually learn how to self-regulate, how to regulate their senses, how to know what skills and tools to use in what situations, and working through the underlying dynamics, the underpinnings and the root issues, as opposed to like the social skill, like here you go, here's how to have conversations with small talk with people, or here's a calendar to help you organize your schedule because you're getting overwhelmed at college, but actually helping them address the underlying things to create a sustained level of, of change that I think sometimes that the diagnosis can be known beforehand. Like maybe they've been really struggling from a young age and it's known. Sometimes something can happen. Maybe it is like a you know traumatic brain injury or something that happens that changes the course. And other times it's, people are pretty high functioning. Like they're smart, they're capable. They BS their way through high school or junior high or whatever. And, and now that social things are more complex or I'm in a college classroom or this is my first job. And it's like, why can't I keep a job anymore? Or why do I just keep failing out of my classes? And it's taken me eight years now to get my associate's degree. Like, what am I doing? That it's sometimes the deficits just start to come out where understanding there are supports, there's tools, there's resources, there's hope. Um, It's just understanding that and putting the puzzle together in a little bit different way as opposed to just staying, staying stuck. So sometimes I guess my points and all that long winded is sometimes people may not know that I have struggles with executive functioning or I have struggles around um, emotional regulation or sensory regulation or um, these other things. It's like, I just get stuck or I lose motivation, or maybe I am just a bad listener where when we dive deeper, there's actually reasons beneath that, that are, we can help people. There's different mm-hmm. outcomes available.
1: Yeah, definitely yeah
0: um, yeah so I'm I'm curious just from your your work um, in working with clients, you know adolescents, young adults and their families, what does that look like um, in regards to just working with the individual versus working with their family? Um, How do you normally approach that? I know there's a lot of considerations with that.
1: So if I am working with a young adult who lives here in Utah, a lot of the time their families do not live here in Utah. It's usually due because they went to other treatment centers beforehand in Utah and they decided they like Utah and they want to stay and they Mm -hmm. Don't want to go back home to home life and just they want to start a new life, right? Um, So I work with a lot of families that don't live in Utah. So beforehand, when I usually get a referral for a client, I reach out to those parents beforehand just to introduce myself, talk about what maybe their son or their daughter has been through, what it's been like for them as parents, and just to get more of an understanding of like their family dynamics. Because once I get to know the parents, then I can kind of understand a little bit more of like their family history. So that when I get to know their son or their daughter, then in a way, it's like, I I know a little bit more of your history, but also I want to just get to know you as an individual as well, because there can be two different stories from a parent and their son or their daughter, but a lot of the times they actually work parallel with each other, which has been awesome. I love it when they work together and it's in parallel like that. Um, Because again, right, that just means that there's more of a team and a support system. Um, And so if that is the case where the parents are heavily involved, I love that. Because then again, we can just help that son or their daughter move forward and propel forward in a better way so I usually have a session each week it's about one time a week with the student and then I have a phone call or an email conversation with the parents to give them some updates depending on what they prefer and then throughout the week as well with the student I just don't want to make it like you said I don't want it to be like oh we have a live coaching session every Tuesday at 2 p.m. That's what it is. And so when they come in, they have their session, then they leave. It's out their brain. I want to be like, no, we have a relationship where I'm there for you. So call me anytime, text me anytime. Because again, like you said, when they're in those moments when I'm not there, when their stress is high or their anxiety is high, I want them to have someone to go to so that they can work on those coping mechanisms or their skills because I'm like your parents aren't going to be there for your entire life so let's develop those skills and those habits now so that you can be confident on doing them on your own and then again finding a partner so that you also can still do it on your own rather than being so dependent on that
0: yeah yeah Yeah, I I love that and just that collaborative care working with the parents working with the the individual and and helping the parents or maybe even a partner or someone just understand and see things differently as well like typically like parents like they love their kids so much and they've been trying so hard and sometimes it's really frustrating for them just as it is for their son or daughter to see them stuck and struggling and like what do we do different And being able to help provide like a different light on things and support along the way can be really, really impactful um, for sure. So I, I I appreciate that. And I think one thing just for people listening to is like understanding there, there's a lot of different options and resources available. Sometimes I think it's overwhelming, like looking for help to know, where do I find help? Like what's the right resources and supports and there's, key differences between all of these things and finding the right person, like whether it is your behavior coach, a therapist, a a doctor, a psychiatrist, a nurse practitioner, they can, you can ask questions and say, what other resources are there? What other treatments should we be considering in addition to this? Um, This is what I'm finding helpful. This is what I'm not finding helpful about therapy, about the medication side, about the coaching side to get the help that you need. I think that's really important because There are times when therapy is is very vital and it's very helpful to creating outcomes. And there's also differences between therapy and what's in the scope of therapy and the differences of life coaching. What's in the scope of life coaching or behavior coaching or executive function coaching, the medical side. And when we can work together, like that synergy can help create a lot of outcomes. I think there's still some work to go in the outpatient setting to help with that more and that collaboration. But that would be someone of, even just asking your therapist or your behavior coach or your doctor of like, Hey, can you talk to this person? Hopefully they're already doing that, but advocating for that because that will also help increase effectiveness to get these people communicating and talking like, Oh, and now that can help create hopefully longer sustained change for the person. So um, yeah. Any other thoughts, Alicia, you want to share? you don't have to have any others, but any other thoughts that you think it would be important to bring up?
1: No, yeah, I think, like you said, consistency is the biggest thing that I've learned while I've been a life coach and executive functioning coach. Just staying consistent with my clients, even if it is checking in on a daily basis, sometimes two or three times on a daily basis, as we create that relationship and that support system. Because again, it really helps them see okay, this person actually really is here for me. It's not just another doctor that's in and out within six months to a year. And so I think a lot of executive functioning clients have been through the ringer where they know someone's going to leave. So they have a lot of trust issues and therefore they don't want to open up again. So I... Like make it known that like I'm not gonna be here for good, but for the time that I will be here with you, like I wanna make sure it's a hundred percent every single time. And that's the thing that I always tell like the therapists or their parents, just to like give them that expectation that you're not gonna be there their entire life, but to be there a hundred percent when you are there because they really do need that support system until they have that confidence enough in themselves to do it on their own. So most people just need a little bit of push and most people honestly just need a consistency base. Honestly, I've seen so much improvement after just a year. If a team is consistent for an entire year, then the student is like, all right, I can do this. Let's go, let's go out in the community and let's find my own people. So it's been awesome that way.
0: Yeah. I I think that's really important, right. Of helping the client not feel like they're going to be abandoned um, where they've experienced so many changes throughout their life. So it, it's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. If our, if the people listening to this podcast, if they want want to reach out or connect with you, what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, They can just shoot me an email. It's, Alicia one three six one at gmail.com I'm still working on getting up more of a business one but for now it's just that or they can shoot me a text or call me I'm pretty personal so and open with that and so my phone number is eight zero one
0: six one six seven zero four one well thanks Alicia for your time I really appreciate it um and yeah, sharing more, shedding more light on these important topics. So thank you.
1: Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Thanks for having me, Kyle.
0: You're welcome. Thanks so much for tuning into this podcast episode. Now, as always, this podcast is not counseling. This is not therapy. This does not denote a therapeutic relationship in any way. This is not advice or information specific for you and your circumstance or situation because I don't know your circumstance or situation. This is also not an endorsement for a recommendation for coaching in any way. This is simply information, and information that I hope that you find impactful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share this episode with a friend, and I look forward to having you back on future episodes.